Amen. Thank you, Wes. You can be seated if you hadn't quite made it there yet. Well, today we have the privilege of uh, ordaining one of our own into the gospel ministry, Christian Harmon. Uh, if you were here back in the summer when we hired Christian as our student pastor, uh, some of you may realize that our giving really went up for the summer. Uh, Christian thinks that was all because of him. Uh, today, today we come to this time and we've got a full room. Again, he probably thinks this is really all about him. Um, but remember, we've only, we only have one service today, so we put everybody together. So anyway, I do want to thank you for being here this morning. It is so refreshing to see a, a large crowd together. Uh, we, we come close to that sometimes at 11 o'clock during the year, but uh, we just didn't know what to expect this morning. And we want to thank you for turning out and being a part of our service. Well, uh, as I said, we are going to be ordaining Christian this morning, and I know many of his family and uh, some close friends are here. If you fit in that category, would you stand, please? We want to honor you uh, for just being here with us this morning. All right, let's get in around the house. All right. All right. Thank you, guys. We're glad you could be here. I know his parents are here, grandparents, cousins, uncles, aunts, got the, got the whole crowd here. So it's good to have them here with us today. Well, let me just say this. While we are kind of moving in this direction this morning towards Christ, uh, Christian's ordination, I do want to say that this message is really for all of us. Especially as we face this new year and we begin a new sermon series. And the new sermon series is New Year's Revolution. New Year's Revolution. Now, the word revolution actually means a far-reaching and drastic change which could relate to ideas, methods, lifestyles, and perspectives. During this series, we'll be focusing on, on revolution as it relates to a drastic change in our perspective of life. And so over the next five weeks, beginning today, we will be looking in this area of how a revolution can come to our hearts. We know when we invite Jesus to come into our lives and when we repent of our sins and turn to him, it's the whole idea of transformation. But I believe that at some parts and sometimes in our Christian walk, there comes a point where we need a revolution to take place in our hearts. Because something may not be right, or maybe we've fallen under the deception of the world, or the enemy is closed in, or our flesh is crying out, and therefore, we need not only transformation, but the whole idea of a revolution that needs to come to our hearts. So if you will, turn to Matthew chapter 3. We're going to be looking at different passages in Matthew this morning. The topic this morning is the whole idea to lead intentionally. Lead intentionally. You may say this morning, well, I'm not a leader. Well, let me just say this message is going to prove to you this morning that you are a leader. I want you to look at the introduction there on your outline and the handout that was given to you. Oswald Chambers defines leadership as nothing more than influence. Nothing more than influence. If he is correct, then we are all leaders. If this is true, then who and where are we leading? These questions must be answered before we can intentionally lead. Now, let me ask you a simple question. Who are you influencing? You may say, well, I'm not, am I really influencing anyone? Yeah, I believe you are. On a scale of one to 10, with 10 being the greatest, I want you to think about your life. I want you to think about the relationships in your life and 10 being the greatest influence you have in someone's life. Now, 10s would be probably our spouse, we have great influence in their lives. Our children, 
possibly our grandchildren. But the thing that I want you to see is even those that are sitting around us this morning, we still have influence in their lives. You may not know their name. It could be that you came in here this morning and you were excited about coming to worship God and you came here to hear a word from God and maybe that smile on your face or that, 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 that whole sense of anticipation is there. You could be influencing the person you're beside this morning. How about when we go out? How about that waitress? How about in our families, the crazy uncle that we all have in our families, the, the sweet aunt, our grandparents, goes on, our mother or father. We all have influence. We all have influence at some level in other people's lives. So do we lead intentionally? That's one thing I want you to see about Jesus. During Jesus's earthly ministry, he was the greatest example of leading intentionally. And think about it. Why was he able to lead intentionally? Why is it so relevant? Why does it seem to be that, boy, he really did this right? Here's the reason. Because he knew the destination. He knew where he was headed. His whole life was bent around what he would do on behalf of his heavenly father. What he would do on behalf of mankind. And so therefore, because there was that end destination, he knew intentionally where he was headed. You see, I believe that many people today are just kind of going through life, just kind of going through the motions. And if we're honest, some of us are just trying to survive it. We're just trying to get the kids where they need to be and, and, and make sure we're where we're supposed to be and, and make sure we cover all the doctor's appointments or whatever it may be. And we're not living our lives with intention. We're not living our lives realizing that there's a destination at the end of this life. To lead intentionally, look on your outline, we must love to follow. Part of leading is learning how to follow. In Matthew chapter 3, I want you to look at verse 13. It says, Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. And John tried to prevent Jesus, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and you're coming to me? Put yourself in John the Baptist's position. How intimidating would it be? And he knew fully where, who Jesus, fully where who Jesus was. How intimidating would it be for Jesus to show up and say, I want you to baptize me. But Jesus answered and said to him, permit it to be so. For thus it's fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he, John, allowed him. You see, here's what Jesus was attempting to do. He was willing to follow the leadership of John because he knew that what he was doing was going to influence not only those who were there that day to see that, but would influence us 2,000 years later as we're reading it. And we see that to be an intentional leader, we have to learn many times to learn how to follow fathers, husbands, you may be here today and you, you, whether you like it or not, you're the spiritual leader of your home. God has ordained you to be the spiritual leader of your home. And the thing we need to do, learn is to follow the influence and leadership of the spirit in order to effectively and intentionally lead those he's placed in our lives. Our families are counting on us to do that. Christian, to be a pastor, God can use you but you must learn to discipline yourselves, to be led and influenced by the Holy Spirit. And those who are under your ministry are counting on that from you, counting on you to have that time with the Lord. Next, to lead intentionally, we must love to follow. And second of all, we must learn to lead. 
I've heard many people and I've read this many times and it's so true. How, how many of you can watch children sometimes and say, well, there's the leader. You ever seen that? Right there in your own home, probably. Oh, this one's going to be a leader. This one will be a follower. You can almost pick it out even when they're two or three years old. Now, they may be corrupt little leaders, but they're leaders. <laughs> but, but you see it, and it's so obvious. But some people say that leaders are born. I tend to agree with that. I think there are some who are just naturally slanted to be a, a, a leader. Leaders may be born, listen, with an inclination to lead, but they must learn to lead effectively and intentionally. They still have to be taught. And so how do we do that? We have to learn to lead. First of all, we need to model the way. We need to model the way. It's the whole idea of mentoring. To model the way, if you really think about it, all it is is just discipleship. Mentoring other people. Whether it's our children or whoever it may be. In Matthew chapter 4, I want you to look at verse 4. But he, Jesus, answered and said to the enemy. He's talking to the enemy here. He's there. He's being tempted there on mountain temptations. He says, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Jesus was not only said that he was going to follow the, uh, was, he was not going to follow the temptation of the enemy, but he also told the enemy why he wasn't going to follow that temptation. You know why? Because he knew the word of God. The word of God was precious to him. The word of God was something that he, he that led him. It was part of the intentionality of his life was the word of God, and we see that so clearly. And so that's why, and it's important that we not only turn from temptation, but we learn why we're turning from temptation. And as we lead those around us and influence those around us, it's not just important that we turn away from temptation, it's important why we need to know why we're doing that. Paul said to the church at Philippi, listen to what he said. It sounds kind of arrogant, uh, but it's really not. Paul said, brethren, Join in following my example. Now, if you heard someone say that, what would you think? Well, the, the cool thing is we, we have the privilege to see Paul's life. We get to read his writings. We get to see what heart he's presenting to the churches. And we can sit there and say, yeah, do what he did. But imagine one of us saying that. We wouldn't dare come out and say, well, just follow my example. You can't go wrong. It's the whole idea of modeling the way. But here's what he said. Brethren, join in following my example and note. What does he mean when he says note? Point out, pay attention to those who also walk in this way. As you have us for a pattern. You have us. When it says pattern, it could literally mean map. It's the whole idea. Listen, with a map, there's always a destination. And Paul was saying, follow my example. Here's the map. Here's how I'm leading. I'm modeling the way. But it was always a destination when it's associated there. So Paul had to learn how to lead people. And it all started with the fact that he could not lead where he had not been himself. Let me tell you something about Paul. Paul had something in his life that every one of us needs. Paul had someone that he followed and someone who followed him. We hear that so many times, even at your ordination review, it came up. The whole idea that we need people in our lives. Paul had Barnabas. Someone that he could look up to. Someone that could, maybe it was a further down the road than he was in his Christian walk. And, and he could go to him and talk with him. He was Paul's encourager. But then there was also Timothy and Titus. Those that he was actually leading. We need these people in our lives. 
Christian, you must learn to lead by modeling the way as you follow the model of Christ and those who God has placed in your path to lead others effectively and intentionally. Whether you like it or not, God's placed me in your life. I'm sorry about that. It's just the way it happened. But I mean, he's, he's brought others. I mean, I look at uh, the, the role your father has had in your life. I look at the role Jonathan's had in your life. I look at the role that I've attempted to have in your life. And it was all about, all about modeling the way. It was all about saying, hey, here's an example. Follow. Next. To lead intentionally, we must learn to lead not only by modeling the way, but inspire with a shared vision. Inspire with a shared vision. In Matthew chapter four, Jesus said in verse 19, then Jesus said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And they immediately left their nets and followed him. People, whether they realize it or not, need vision. They need direction in their life. They really do. The Bible says in Proverbs 28, uh, excuse me, 29, 18, the Amplified Version says it this way. Where there is no vision, the people perish. The message, that paraphrase says it this way. If people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. And that's so true. They lose their way. They wander into trouble. They have no purpose. We all need something in our lives that inspires us and challenges us. And then we need to respond to it. Parents need to lead their children with an inspiring vision from God. Parents, where are you leading your children? They need to be involved in the process. They not only need to be involved in the process, they not only need to be inspired and challenged, they need to know where's the destination. Where's this all going to end up at? I went into Gary's office this morning. He wasn't in there, so I felt liberty to go. (laughs) And I remembered one thing that he showed me. It was on his wall. And I went and took it off the wall. And I started to bring it in here. And I said, maybe that's a little too much. But anyway, uh, someone on his wall that his family created years ago. And it's a mission statement that he and Heidi created for their family. And it's a whole idea of inspiring them to do the right thing. To let them know there's a destination to all this. Y'all, that's what it's all about. But we live in a world that acts as if there is no destination. They act as if they were just surviving through this life. No, we've been called to live our lives in such a way that we have influence, in such a way that we glorify and honor the one who saved us. His name is Jesus Christ. We are to do his will. Christian, before people will effectively follow your leadership, they will need to know where are you trying to lead them and then challenge them to respond. You need to remember, you can't get away from God's word. God has called you into his ministry. He's brought you in such a way, and and he doesn't just leave you hanging out there. He gives you the word. He says, this is what needs to be equipped in them. Next, learn to lead. Challenge others to grow. Jesus challenged people everywhere he went. He did. One of the best examples was the Sermon on the Mount. In in Matthew chapter 5, I want you to look at verse 1. It says, and seeing the multitudes, Jesus went up on the mountain. And when he was seated, his disciples came to him. Then he opened his mouth and taught them. Skip down to verse 13. It says that Jesus said, he told the audience there, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its flavor, how then shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing 
but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. And then he says this, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all those who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. You know what Jesus is saying here? He's saying that we are to be intentional influences or influencers, therefore leaders in a dark world, someone who inspires others, challenges others. Leading involves teaching, challenging, and at times confronting. That's one of the most difficult things that I deal with as a pastor is when you got to confront something in someone's life. And y'all, that's very difficult. And Christian, there's going to be times you'll be asked of that. I know there's been times that you have been asked of that. To, to, to not only inspire people, to not only challenge them. That's fun. That's great motivational stuff. But when you have to confront, it's so difficult. Parents, if you truly love your children, you will not only teach them and challenge them, but also at times you will confront them when they need to be confronted. Christian, for you to follow the example of Jesus, you will not only need to inspire and challenge, but as I said, also you may need to confront. Next, learn to lead. Not only model the way, inspire with a shared vision, challenge others to grow, but also encourage the heart. The reason Jesus encouraged others was because he had compassion on them. Did you know how he encouraged most people? By meeting a need in their life. There were those in which he went and he healed. Do you remember some of the stories? There were times where he went and gave them a word. There were times where he went, he even raised a couple of them from the dead. And it's amazing how Jesus worked in that. But what he was trying to do, he was trying to encourage those that God had placed in his path. And Christian intentional leaders notice the growth and contributions of others. And they celebrate them by encouraging them. And those teenagers that God has placed in your life and those people that God will place in your life throughout your ministry, there's times they're going to need to be encouraged. I don't know of a greater time than when teenagers need to be encouraged in the days in which we live today. There's so many things out there, not just out there, they're shouting at them. Be a part of this, do this. Everyone else is doing it, follow in line. And that's when God's voice has to be louder. That's when God's voice has to pierce the hearts of those. And Christian, God's gonna use you in that role when you teach them and when you inspire them and challenge them and at times possibly confront them. Next, learn to lead. Enable others to act. This is where most of us miss it as leaders and as parents. Challenging and giving those who God has placed in our care the responsibility to act. Think about it. Jesus gave the challenge to build the kingdom of God to 12 ordinary men. 12 ordinary men. Think about that. He modeled the way for them. He inspired them with a vision. He challenged and encouraged them to respond to his leadership. And lastly, he also enabled them. He trained them. He equipped them. He also sent his Holy Spirit. The same process falls to us. If you look at Matthew chapter 9, verse 35, it says Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in the synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, it says he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, 
but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. You see, Jesus not only enabled them, he gave them responsibility. I want you to skip down to chapter 10, verse five. It says, these that he commanded, these 12 Jesus sent out. Notice what he did with them. He told them to pray. He told them to pray. Think about that. When, when, God, when, when you're called on to pray for something, what happens? All of a sudden, you're engaged in the part of that process. Whether it's a need that needs to be met, whether it's a job that needs to be filled in the church, whatever it is, most of the time, those who are praying are already engaged in the process. And that's what Jesus was trying to get them to do. Part of enablement is the whole idea that we pray, that we become engaged because all of a sudden, God begins to bring things together in our lives. Christian, we as pastors are called to model the way, to inspire, to challenge, to encourage, and enable those God has placed in our care to act on his word. Not just hear it, but to act on it. And of course, the big responsibility is those that you're teaching, those that you're trying to inspire. But still, we need to call them to action. Before we move from this topic, I want to challenge you as parents. Many parents, you're not going to like this, but I observe a lot. I was a, I was a youth pastor for almost 10 years. Many parents are hurting their children more than they're helping their children. They're giving them a sense of entitlement instead of enabling them to act responsibly. Here's what we as parents, and I understand it, but we got to see the big picture. Sometimes we protect them no matter what. Did, did you know sometimes some of the greatest life lessons come when we not bail them out, but when we let them live through the life lesson they need to live through? I'm convinced that many parents many times get in the way of God trying to move in the life of their child. And try to pick up the pieces and try to cover and try to know sometimes this enablement is, is not going to help. It, it's a sense of entitlement. It's not there. We provide everything they want. We have to be careful with that. We may even give them the impression that the world revolves around them. Boy, social media definitely carries us there, doesn't it? Which can breed the sense of entitlement where they think they can get something without earning it. Where they think they can get what, what, where they think they, they can get you out of everything. Where they think that they are not responsible for themselves and their actions. You see, when it comes to parenting and enabling, what are we enabling? What are we enabling? Are we enabling wrong perspectives, wrong attitudes, wrong actions? Teach them to be responsible for their lives and their actions. That's what we're called to as parents. All right, I'm through preaching now. I'll move on. We need to lead intentionally. We must love to follow, learn to lead, and then next, launch to a destination. I want you to think about your life right now. Every one of you is headed to a destination. Do you think that way on a daily basis? Did you think that way when you woke up this morning? Yeah, some of you did. I said, well, probably need to go to church today. So there's my destination. Not a bad destination. But I'm talking about at the end of this life, there's a destination that we're moving towards. 
And Jesus, listen, Jesus lived his life with the end in focus. And I think that's good for all of us. Whether we know it or not, our life is headed somewhere and there is an end. So how do we help others get to their destination as parents, as pastors, as influencers? Number one, you got to discern the direction. You got to discern the direction. What is God's direction for our lives? Did you know that the Bible and Proverbs talks about children being arrows? Did you know that? It does. It talks about that. And it talks about the idea of shooting the arrow. There's a direction that you're shooting your children towards. And we're shooting those who are, we're influencers over and leaders over. We're, we're shooting towards that. And in Matthew chapter 13, verse 53 says, Now it came to pass when Jesus had finished these parables that he departed from there. Now I want you to think about Jesus. Everything he did was intentional because he knew the direction of his life. In Matthew 14, 13, it says, When Jesus heard it, when he heard about the death of John the Baptist, he departed from there by boat to a deserted place by himself. Skip down to verse 22. Immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. Verse 23. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up to the mountain by himself to pray. Now when evening had come, he was there alone. You know what's interesting about that? I'm fully convinced that Jesus knew the destination of his life. He knew where it was going to end up, but he still needed those touches from the Father. He still needed to know the direction for that day. He still needed to know, well, God, Heavenly Father, what are you instructing me for today? And those that are counting on us are counting on us to have those times with the Lord, that we will meet with him, that we will understand how we are to lead those who have no shepherd. So part of the role as a minister of the gospel is to help people with direction. We shepherd them to get them to the destination God has for them. Next, launch to the destination. You gotta discern the direction, but second of all, you gotta discover the distractions. Now, are there distractions in your life? Things that are keeping you off the directed path of your destination? I want you to think about this. Some of you are going to make some uh, New Year's resolutions. How many of you already have something in your mind for this year? Raise your hand. Well, some of you are motivated. I don't know what's wrong with the rest of you. It's a great time. It's a great time of year to say, you know something? I, I need to carefully evaluate my life. I need to know where am I, where am I headed with all this? What's going on? Where's God leading? But, but how many of you have noticed that every time you try to do something in your life, you try to move towards where you think God is directing you to a better place. How many of you notice that it seems like hell and everything else comes against it? You ever notice that? I tell our people all the time that, that when the enemy takes territory in our lives, he doesn't just hand it back. He will fight tooth and nail to hold on to that territory he's already taken in your life. And part of our responsibility as a pastor uh, and, and shepherding people and having great influence in a person's life is to help them discover the distractions that may be in their life. Jesus had distractions. Did you know that? His hometown, I want you to listen to this. His hometown was a distraction. He went to Nazareth. He was in there teaching people. He was healing people. They marveled. But then all of a sudden they got to thinking, hey, isn't this Mary's kid? Isn't this the carpenter's kid? His brothers and sisters are all here. There's nothing special about him. Where in the world did he come from? 
You know what Jesus said? Enough is enough. He left and never came back. He saw them as a distraction. He handled it. The problem with many of us is we don't get rid of the distractions. We entertain the distractions. And all of a sudden, we begin to know, okay, God's called me to this. He's, he's asking this of me. He wants me to surrender this. But I'm just telling you, <laughs> this entertains me pretty well. It's going to be hard to give up. That's the reason I'm using the language of a revolution, transformation that needs to happen in our lives. So what's distracting you today? You can say, well, I don't know if it's what you're talking about. Well, maybe it's your fears. Maybe, you, maybe, you, maybe there's just something there in your life that you know you've been called to do, but fear is restraining you. That almost cost me going into the ministry. I could never imagine myself standing in front of people doing what I do today. I was paralyzed with fear. I, I was, I mean, it was bad, y'all. I would literally get up here and shake and quiver and spasms. No, I'm just kidding. It wasn't that bad. But, but I'm serious. I had to overcome certain things in my life because I knew God called me to something. Don't let fear hold you back. How about doubts? How about insecurities? Busyness, unforgiveness. How about addictions? Clutter in your life. How about a person? I heard a young man, actually is my nephew. I heard him over, I, I, I wasn't really talking to him. I overheard him talking to, I think, my wife. And they were talking and he, he, I think Tina said, Do you got any, is there any girls in your life? Here's what he said, 16 years old. Here's what he said, good-looking kid, good-looking kid. He said, no, that, I don't think that's where God has me right now. I think he wants me to work on myself right now before I invite someone else in my life. I thought, man, 16 years old, you thinking that way? Boy, my sister did something right there. But, but anyway, that's what it takes. That's the hard questions. Christian, part of your ministry will help people discern the distractions in their life and challenge them to take them very seriously. Next, defeat the, de the detractors. Defeat the detractors again. Jesus, when he's in Nazareth, do you realize what they tried to do to him on the same day he said, I've had enough? They tried to kill him. They tried to walk him off a cliff. And a miracle took place. It didn't happen, of course. But, but he left Nazareth. He never came back. So, so here's the question. Who are the detractors in your life? The enemy, the world, others? Did you know you can be your own detractor? Can I ask if any of you here today are living in self-pity? Self-pity? Been there? I've been there. Don't live there. You, you might go there occasionally. Don't live there. You can be your own worst detractor. <laughs> so we need to understand part of ministry will be to shout louder than the detractors in people's lives. And so when God's called you and they got these teenagers and these people God's placed in your life under their care, they got the world crying out at them, all these detractors around, you need to shout louder. Sometimes you need to be the cheerleader, just comes around and says, you're on the right path. Sometimes you need to be the confronter and say, I think you're missing it here. But that's what God has called us to do. Next, we need to live with purpose. To live intentionally, we must live purposely. Jesus always knew the purpose for his life, his mission in life, his destination. To live intentionally and purposely is not living for tomorrow, but living for today with the destination in view. Li listen, living purposely is not what you should do, would do, or could do. It is intentionally doing what you are called to do. 
Christian, uh, the greatest thing you can do for those God's entrusted you is to challenge them to live with godly purpose and to move them towards his desired destination, to encourage them, to inspire them. Here's the application this morning. We are all leading whether we like it or not. How many of you today, I've convinced you that you're leading in one way or the other? Raise your hand. Well, that's most of you. The rest of you didn't hear a word, did you? Anyway, <clears throat> how, well, how well are you leading? Are you, are you giving people the sense of entitlement? Are you enabling people to do what God's called them to do? Are you equipping people? What type of influence are you? Whose life are you inspiring, challenging, and encouraging? Do you lead intentionally or just hope life just works out? I want to close with these thoughts. Those who do not live and lead intentionally will someday live with regret. You will. I, I've got them. I've talked to some of you. I know you have them. But it's not too late. Take what God has put before you now, correct the problem, and walk forward. And be light to a dark world. Light to that teenager. Light to that child who's walking in the dark world and say, hey, there's a better way. Be an influencer. Lastly, the destination of this life. Listen, this is so good. The destination of this life is not found in a cause or in all that we have done, but is in a person and his name is Jesus Christ. The destination is Jesus. That's what it's all about. You ever remember, what would Jesus do? You remember those bracelets? There's a lot to that. He's the destination. So, I just want to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes as we close this part of the service. Father, we just come to you right now and we know that there's so much more to this life than many times what we see. We don't realize the influence that, that we have in the lives of other people. The influence we have maybe in our children and what's required of that influence. Or maybe it's the waiter we may encounter later today or tomorrow that, that we have influence in their life at that time. And, and we could be an encourager. We could be someone who can inspire. Father, I just pray right now that you give us all the sense of, of what you're calling us to, to lead intentionally, not just hoping life works out, not just hoping the kids turn out okay, but Lord, that you would just help us to realize that we need to be equipped to inspire, to challenge, and at times confront what needs to be in our children's lives. Father, I pray for, for Christian, Lord, and Sarah Beth as they're embarking into this new area in their life, Father. I thank you for what we've already seen in their life since back in June and how you're using them in this ministry so effectively. And, and Lord, we know that this is another milestone where a church is getting in behind them and, and wanting to support them as God has called them to great things in ministry. Father, we thank you that there's still young men and women are still willing to be used of you and called of you to do specific tasks. Father, we thank you for their heart, Father. And we just pray, Lord, that we'll be a church that, that they will never have to wonder if they, if they have our support. But, Lord, that they know that they are loved and deeply cared for. 
We thank you for them and the, the sacrifices that they're already making and will make. And Father, we just pray for them, Father. And thank you for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen.